So Pastor Mike is driving in his car to dinner yesterday because he found what everybody loves to find, a random gift card. To Panera. Okay. I, you know, I, <laughs> I thought which, it was a better gift card. Which one of my daughters loves. So it was great. <laughs> I think it's been in there like for two years. Well, and you are whistling to a song. Mm-hmm. And she thinks it's, well, you think it's amazing. Well, you know, you're, you're asking me one of these times if I'll ever sing on the opening. And I'm like, well, no, I probably won't because it's not good. And I can't even whistle on tune because I was whistling in the car. And I, was, I got done whistling. I'm like, man, I am a good whistler. Like, I should be, like, on these recordings. Because we've also been joking that I really just want to be a backup singer that just goes, hey, or something like that. That was not bad. And so, you know, and she's like, Dad, you don't even whistle on pitch either so uh, by the way if i could just sound bite that little hey yeah. shout and if we were to put out a poll who do you think this is pastor mike or pastor dave <laughs> yeah 100 would think it was me that was mike here's why i want you to sing sometime in one of these openers that's serious you know here's here's pastor mike writing on songs he's saying you're using more music illustrations than you are sports illustrations in the last few months that's because I'm your friend but there's friendship all, there's all this talk about you know you not being good I think the people just want to know for themselves listen <laughs> again we, we got to get going on some bus but literally you know in the nicest gentlest way possible my wife gave me a little bit of a nudge two Sundays ago like mm, not so loud so this is why i like to sit where i sit i can move away i can kind of just turn (laughs) away and i can sing louder and not in their direction well happy sermon plus everybody and that was not an addition to the sermon but what we're about to get into it was addition today is a little bit of like kind of like a bonus sermon plus i feel like because we've just come out of uh, a series of stories for faith and Um, a series of holy week right holy week renewal so Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been tuning in, you've you've kind of heard a lot recently. Um, but today, before we dive into our next series, which we'll we'll promote here at the end, and we're excited about, uh, let's talk about Resurrection Sunday. You had three main points. Mm-hmm. Why don't you walk us through those uh, points? Let's do a little bit of a recap. Yeah, wanted to keep it uh, simple and clear, um, as always. But certainly on Easter, um, Jesus rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. That's the point of Easter. And then you can experience that resurrection life in the present. Uh, that was the second point. And then the third is you can exp- you will, if you're in Christ, experience that resurrection life forever in the future. Amen. So those three things and the kind of like meat underneath those points. And the first one, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, which, by the way, uh, the whole sermon was kind of like meditations on a couple of different parts of 1 Corinthians 15. But in 1 through 8, he talks about that Christ died for our sins. So there's a theological implication, mm. you know, a necessary. We're not even talking about what good is the resurrection if it's not doing that particular thing. And so, you know, the argument I used <laughs> for convincing us that that it was necessary and and right and good and helpful was just kind of a come on, come on, come on. I mean, like, you know it, you feel it. We we all know it, right? And you know, combined with you know, we look at our world. Um, our news feeds, various things, and it's just like they're basically just reporting sin all the time. Corruption, greed, you know, you name it. By the way, even for me, when you heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what's taking place. Yeah. It was like really, I thought that was a really good point. And so, but when you combine that with like, oh, yeah, our world is kind of, you know, crazy and, and, and going down the tubes or whatever, 
and then we don't make the jump to say, well, I'm part of it. Yep. I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Jesus' statement about getting the board out of your own eye um, is just so paradigm setting, I think. I think as human beings, it's very easy to point the finger at other people, to look at other people and say, look, I'm not as bad as them. Um, I haven't done anything majorly wrong. I mean, there's all these ways we kind of can justify. Um, mm-hmm. and, and rightly so. Like, it's, it's not like there's definitely some people who are worse sinners than others. For sure. Yeah. And Jesus even talks about, uh, you know, various degrees of punishment. Yep. Interestingly, what's what's pretty interesting about how Jesus does that, by the way, which this is Sermon Plus because this wasn't in the sermon, was that, you know, he tends to say that the harsher judgment is for people who know better and don't. Yeah. People who tend to be more moral uh, and less, quote unquote, egregious sinners. Yeah. There seems to be a worse condemnation for them. So, so, yeah, that was the argument. Christ died for our sins and just proclaiming the good news that he died for our sins. He rose again, conquering that. And so that was the theological reason. Then we talked about, you know, Paul does give some historical evidence. And what he does is he turns to the eyewitnesses. And he's like, hey, these people saw Jesus. These people saw Jesus. And, you know, um, I'll give a little sermon plus aspect here. So I'm kind of weaving now summary with uh, some yep. extras. But, you know, one of the, it's not as pro- uh, prominent anymore, but it's still out there is a lot of people will argue that, you know, the, the apostles had hallucinations mm-hmm. or visions, spiritual mm-hmm. visions of Jesus, but he didn't actually bodily rise from the dead. Um, the Christian answer to that, on the one hand, is, well, empty tomb. They were proclaiming that he rose from the dead in Jerusalem weeks <laughs> after he was killed to the very people who killed him. So it's like, all right, just go roll that stone for yourself, and you can see there's no body there. So that would be one proof. But the, a more powerful proof for us historically is uh, the hallucinations theory about Jesus' resurrection, and that explains the rise of Christianity, is, is you know appealing because when people do lose a loved one, they do have dreams and visions of them. It's mm. that's actually very common. In fact, that's very close to home. My own family, when mm-hmm. my sister passed away, uh, my mom had a couple of those mm. where she felt like she was, you know, like speaking, and and had a dream or a vision of of my sister. So it's like I, I that's what that's the appeal of that view. Yep. The problem is is that like not everyone in our family did. I mm-hmm. didn't get one. <laughs> and when you see Jesus' resurrection, it's like he appeared to you know, like people who were sympathetic to it, like his disciples. Then he appeared to people who were not sympathetic, like his brother James and Paul. And then he appeared to 500 different people. At one. So like he's in, and they're all having these different varied experience. And so like, man, that is a lot of hallucinating, you know? So it's like the burden of proof actually goes back to the hallucination theory. So anyway, we looked at this, some historical evidences that was all under Jesus rose from the dead, a theological uh, reason and historical evidence. Then we looked at you can experience that now, and that is because First Corinthians fifteen forty five says that Jesus is now a life giving spirit. Mm. And so he, there's a comparison made to Adam, and you know this kind of like creation, new creation uh, setup. So there's this cosmic implication: the world was reborn. James Stewart said uh, on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and now Jesus is you know pouring or putting his very spirit and connecting it to our very spirit. And so that is, in a sense, the the essence of new life. And so, you know, that's very, very encouraging. And so there's a different way to live. It's like a new dimension, a way of living. We talked about that. And then finally, to summarize, you know, we you'll experience this in the future. And I made the point that, you know, sometimes we, we want Jesus to help us now in all of our stuff now, and we lose the joy, the hope, the peace that comes from knowing that he will fix everything later. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay in the end. 
And so, you know, Lewis, C.S. Lewis says you can laugh because of the resurrection. You can breathe because of the resurrection. You can actually say everything's going to be all right because of the resurrection, like the the future, like this perishable body will put on the imperishable and we'll be equipped to see and experience the fullness of the glory of God in a new heavens and a new earth. That's resurrection, you know. So, yeah. There's that beautiful line uh, we sang. It's kind of like an ad lib chorus towards the end of the worship. You know, because he lives, yeah, I can face tomorrow. Yep, right. Yeah, I mean, the resurrection changes everything mm-hmm. about how we live, Our even like the seemingly mundane moments all the way to the big events, big seasons, big circumstances. Yeah. And what's really amazing is like it's the hope of the resurrection in the future um, that even kind of brings in some of the power of the resurrection now. Right. Like in the midst of suffering, in the midst of brokenness, the fact that we can actually experience these spiritual gifts like love and joy and peace and goodness is is in in part what it means to practice resurrection today. We're going to talk about practicing yep. resurrection in just a second. I came across this um this just kind of like these Good Friday to Easter Sunday reversals this last weekend. Mm. I saw it somewhere online and it, it talks about, you know, Jesus goes to the garden to be obedient to the Father undoing Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden. Mm-hmm. You've got Adam and Eve who hide behind a tree, naked, covered in shame, and Jesus hangs on a tree naked and conquers shame. Mm-hmm. You've got Adam and Eve begin in paradise but are forced outside the gates due to the curse. Jesus died outside the gates to bring us into paradise with him. Mm-hmm. You've got Adam and Eve sin ushering in a curse of, uh, of thorns, and Jesus wears a crown of thorns in which he's usher, ushering in salvation from sin. So there's all these, you know, we talk about typology a lot, these mm-hmm. life, but there's there's all these beautiful things. Even you mentioned like the seed and yeah. on the third day, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of really, um, it's just, a, there's amazing things that are taking place in the resurrection. Yeah, the, the, yeah, all that symbolism, which I don't think I'd seen that. That's really wonderful. I talked about, you know, Jesus rises from the dead at dawn like the sun begins to shine on the first day of the week and he's mm. in a garden. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, so yeah. So I, I think that the Lord has told the story. It is his story. And I mean, it's not a story. It's true. It's a true story, but he has woven in. He's the ultimate capital A author who has woven in all of these themes and events that just line up and you have the whole like fall and then, you know, Jesus at the climax here of the death and resurrection, all those things are being reversed. It's just wonderful. And it's just like, you know, people talk about finding Easter eggs, you know, like on a video or something like that. There's all these like hidden gems that like, so oh, great. and you're, you know, and the Bible is just full, full, full of those quote unquote Easter eggs, which is apropos for Easter. One of the things you mentioned on Sunday that I had never seen in First Corinthians 15, forgive me, is I thought this was really cool. You talk about how in the beginning it talks about standing firm. Mm-hmm. And then it ends by, you know, remain steadfast and, and, and immovable. Yep. And in the middle of all that is resurrection language. Yep. And it's almost like this amazing, hey, kind of like endure sandwich. And, <laughs> yeah. and the way that you do it is by living in the resurrection. Yes. And so I thought that was really amazing. I and mean, one of the things we want to talk about really uh, during the sermon plus in the application portion right now is, is what does it actually mean? to practice resurrection. Like how does the reality of Jesus being alive, especially as you said, being a life-giving spirit, how does that reality influence and change our moments, our days, our lives? Yeah, so I think first we have to recognize the reality that we are 
literally living in a, a, a different dimension. Paul talks about it as the Spirit, capital S. He talks about in Corinthians as we are, you have been raised with Christ in the heavenlies. There mm-hmm. is this literally, like when you go to pray in Jesus' name, it's like you have access, it's like a gateway into paradise. Yeah. I mean, that's, so like you got to, you got to believe that stuff. Yeah. You know, you got to like, you don't, you can't just think, well, I'm closing my eyes and I'm still in this really cool studio. <laughs> right. Like you're praying, you're actually there. So you got to believe that. But you also have to believe that you're, you know, you're still in the flesh. And mm. by in the flesh, meaning you're part of this world still. The, 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 that whole new dimension has not fully bro- broken in. And so you are living in tension. So it's good to recognize that. Um, but then you also have to recognize that resurrection strength is obviously not your strength. There mm. has to be a a sense in which you don't do and you do. And mm. so, you know, when Paul says, and actually it's in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, you know, he was an untimely born apostle, but he worked harder than everyone, and yet not I, it was the grace of God with me. Or when Paul says in Galatians, which, next sermon series, yet, you know, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith, and the Son of God who loves me, loves me and gave himself for me. So the Christian life is definitely one of abide, which, by the way, we should sing that song again soon. I was listening to that in my run today. Love Deal. It. And um, so there's this whole principle of abiding. It's not It's not first and foremost our action, our power. It is, you know, prayer. It is submission. It is surrender. It is trust. Uh, Paul, I mentioned this in the sermon, actually, in, in the practice resurrection portion. In Galatians 3, Paul says, hey, how did you get the Spirit to begin with? You got the Spirit to begin with by hearing the gospel portrayed, the gospel being this message centering on the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and you believed in that message, and then you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you must have a practice each day of surrendering your life and your heart to the the saving work and the kingly work of Jesus and surrendering that. So there's basic prayers that I would say you could pray Beginning with the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. when you when He teaches us to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then later in the garden, He He lives that out by saying, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. So, a very big, significant part of living in resurrection life is, you know, in order for there to be a resurrection. Siri just chimed in. <laughs> I don't think the listeners got to hear that. But Mike, you just said serious or something, and then Siri on our computer literally just chimed in about oh. resurrection life. That was great. Yeah. Um, you know, or I was going to say you have to have a death in order to have a resurrection. And so, so good. You have to, in a sense, lay down the old man, or the scripture says to kill the old man to put him to death. And so there are aspects about your life, your thinking, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you respond, that are earthly that they're Adamic, not the swear word, but like Adam. They're from Adam. And those things need to be put to death. And so you can wake up and you can preach the gospel to yourself. The gospel isn't just that Christ died for my sins, but that I died with Christ. Mm. And so if you if you don't build, and we talk about, this is why we talk about renewal all the time, like renewal is like the death of the old. And so it's like, okay, husbands and wives, like, all right, what desires do you need to put down? What attitudes and affections are like, you know, and, and stop defending them. <laughs> you know, please stop defending them. Just say, yeah, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm going to put this to death. I'm going to renew my mind in Christ. I'm going to embrace the Christ lifestyle, which is one of surrender and submission and faith and entrusting myself. And when you do that and you give up life, 
now a resurrection can take place. And so that's resurrection life. That's how you do it day in and day out. And that can be extremely hard sometimes, or it can be more simple in other times. Recognize that the Lord has given us things like memory or things like imagination. Yeah. Uh, I think that those are strategic parts of like, you know, again, it's a coined phrase from Eugene Peterson, but of mm-hmm. practicing resurrection. Right. Paul kind of talks about what the resurrected looks like, at least one of the, the initial steps and secrets to doing this daily uh, in Colossians chapter three. If you've been raised with Christ, if you've been resurrected with mm-hmm. Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here's a huge part of practicing resurrection. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Mm-hmm. And so something as simple as, you know, you've mentioned this before too, where you guys have had the practice in your home of kind of like in the middle of conversations or maybe arguments or discussion or working through things like, hey, Jesus is alive. Right. And because Jesus is alive, like actually, you know, it, it, I'm even thinking in my own home, like, hey, that attitude, that response, that frustration, that letdown, that anger, mm-hmm. that jealousy, that comparison, whatever, that doesn't have to exist. Jesus is alive. There's a different way to do there, it. There's a, there's a different way for us to do this. Because he rose from the dead. Because he rose from the dead. And he's a life-giving spirit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Paul also says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us, Romans 8. And so there's this beauty of, like, there's this unleash of power, this unleashing of power that God has given to us, where it's not just like, hey, there's a different way to live that's, like, kind of external, but you can live differently. Yeah, that's so good. That's a good reminder. Which, by the way, in Colossians 3, how does he, what does he say exactly next? Therefore, put to death, and then yeah. he gives all these fleshly things. So to your point, like a resurrected, for, for something to be resurrected, it has to die. Yeah. And so there are things in me, even the practice of in your home, in your workplace, in your cars, or as you're thinking through things, in moments, circumstances, frustrations, sin kind of bubbles up or is creeping at the door. Something as simple as like thinking or saying, hey, Jesus is alive. Mm-hmm. Turning your attention, your mind, your imagination, your thoughts towards heavenly things, that you know, the ingredients of the kingdom, and then living into that. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, we just, you know, even, let's get super practical here. You can talk about entertainment stuff. It's like King Jesus. Like take your entertainment choices and just be like, hey, I'm going to do this in front of the king. Mm. He is alive. <laughs> Like, is he alive? Is he not alive? If he's a life-giving spirit, his spirit is present. So on that same trip, we were going, we were listening to some music, and I'm, she, you know, she's like, what do you think of this song? I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, as a Christian, you know, I can process it. It wasn't explicitly a Christian song, and so it was like, you know, I'm like, well, I'm just not so sure the king's down with that. <laughs> so, you know, and so we just process things as if Jesus were alive. Another brother just recently, I won't say his name, but um, he was serving some food, and He's just like, yeah, every time I serve food for somebody, I just pretend that I'm giving it to Jesus. And I was like, hey, brother, that's not just pretending. That's actually, that's what the Bible calls faith, and that's yeah. amazing. Yes. And so I would say there's these little, little, you know, living the resurrected life isn't this, like, like we look at Jesus as a resurrected life, whoa, you know, it's it's not always that. It's, it's a lot of little choices. Jesus says, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And so if you begin to practice a little resurrection here, a little resurrection there, a little before you know it, you're experiencing the life of Jesus in your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your family or relationship with your work. And now the very presence and life of Jesus begins inf- infiltrating your entire life. Yeah. And now that's how you build a resurrection life as opposed to it's like this magic bullet. Um, it is supernatural. I wouldn't call it magic, but it's supernatural. But 
it's little at a time. And then there's some big things as well, but yeah. You had mentioned, this is probably a year ago on a Sunday morning, like you kind of just poked, I'm, I'm not, this isn't an exact quote, but the question basically that you gave the congregation was like, how, how often are you like thinking and acknowledging or being aware of the kingdom of God mm-hmm. in your daily life? Right. Like how often is that a thought? And so I think about, you know, what does it mean to practice resurrection? Because this is, this is like a daily thing. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the new life in Christ. There is a sense in which we have to grow in our awareness of God's presence, mm-hmm. God's power, the kingdom of God, and then like let all of that kind of lead us and push us into keeping in step with the Spirit, producing that fruit, killing the things of the flesh, you know, producing fruits of righteousness, serving those around us, loving and submitting to one another, honoring Christ, being generous, you know, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Mm-hmm. All, all of these types of things then just kind of like start oozing out of us the more we set our minds um. on Jesus. Exactly. Like, like that's like in some sense it's so simple, but like it does take a while. And sometimes we get discouraged and we don't and other times we don't realize how deep our other identities are. I mean, identity is such a buzzword these days. Mindfulness is such a buzzword. Those things are like shadows of the real thing. You know, I've talked about before in other places where, you know, the power of positive thinking, you know, I'm smart. You know, I'm good looking and gosh darn it, people like me. You know, like that type of is like so close to the truth, you know, because it may or not may not be true. <laughs> but when God says you are righteous in Christ and when God says you belong to me, and when God says you are my child, and when God says you have an inheritance and when God says this is your family, when God says those things and you wake up and you look at your circumstances and it's really hard and it's like you're lonely and you're afraid and you're you you feel shame. And it's then you take the faith of God's word, what he has spoken by his word in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you say, I belong to Christ today. Here's my spiritual riches in Christ today. This is who I really am. Even though I don't feel this all the time, this is actually what God has said about me and what God says creates reality. And so I'm going to believe today that I'm a child of yeah. God and that he loves me. If you have a practice of that, right. I guarantee you, right you will begin to live into it. It's going to be harder and deeper than you thought along the way, Yeah. but that is the way to living in Christ. I have one final thought on this, and then I I want to kind of lead to that last point for like a minute before okay. we give a, a preview. Think about this in your own life. You know, more often than not, certainly there are moments and times and, you know, there, there might even be like hindrances or distractions or doubt or serious seasons of suffering that could affect this. But more often than not, when you spend time in the word or you actually carve out some time in prayer and you're like meeting and speaking with Jesus or you go to some kind of a group or a Bible study and you're engaging mm-hmm. with other Christians and you're talking about Jesus and you're thinking about the kingdom and you're, what does the word of God say? Or you go to church or you go to like a Christian or a pastor for counseling, you actually feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because what is taking place during all those things? You are actually taking all of your circumstances and feelings and emotions of here right now in this world, mm-hmm. and you're trying to like look above them yep. to kingdom heavenly things, mm-hmm. Christ, you know, in, forming things, and so it it actually changes you, and you're able to kind of process things different. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what it's talking about here. There's a sense in which you should be doing that, like a little bit of self talk and praying without ceasing mm-hmm. all the time. 
Yeah. Like infuse the language of Jesus is alive into your mind and your conversations constantly. And it will definitely help you live the resurrected life. Uh, you know, some of us have been listening to some, you know, um, uh, like, what's it, what, practicing the way stuff from yep. Jesus. And they talk about these little prayers that you can pray that are helpful. You know, the Lord's prayers I just said, not my will, but your will be done can be one. This Galatians 2.20 has been super formative for me. You know, um, crucified with Christ, just say that. You know, you get up in the morning, the first thing you say when you get out of bed, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. Mm. I, I'm not alive anymore. The old mic is gone. The new mic is here in Christ. And so it's like, okay, what does it mean to live in the new mic in Christ? All right, let's let's figure this out. You know, and it, so again, I think those little things done consistently and pervasively across many, you know, disciplines of our life will become very effectual. You, you're talking about being in the Word and prayer, you know, for a long time. And this is, I mean, you don't have to do it exactly like this, but just be careful of this. Like you can get in the Word and not remember who you are in Christ, you can you can be um, you know you can read something and, and Jesus will speak to you and so that you don't have to specifically remember that you're in Christ if he speaks to you he speaks to you but sometimes you go to the Word and you don't you don't actually renew your mind you've read something but you haven't been renewed right and so the the goal of every day is not to read the Bible Ooh, did I just say that <laughs> you can edit that if you want Dave <laughs> the goal every day all throughout the day is to be renewed. Yes. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And you must have the Word of God to do that. Yeah. And you must pray to do that. Yeah. And so that's why those two things are essential. So let me say that. Yeah. <laughs> They're essential to Christian life. So Here's the beauty. I mean, the fact that Jesus is alive means that he defeated Satan, sin, and death. Mm-hmm. Now, the f- that's great news every single day. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying when Jesus is alive. So yeah. therefore... He's stripped the full power of those things, and I now have greater power than those things yep, you've to been raised a better up way. Above them. This leads to the final thing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we're not going to experience the full freedom of that from mm-hmm. influence and infiltration in our world until Jesus comes back. And so ultimately, part of practicing the resurrected life is understanding that one day. Mm-hmm. It will be full and complete. And that's ultimately where your hope lies. Your right. hope doesn't ultimately lie in reversal of medical diagnosis, you know, finally being able to conquer, you know, this type of a habit or that, type, you know, yeah. whatever. You're, ultimately, your hope is in that one day the battle will be over and you'll experience the fullness of the fact that not just the sting, but like the ultimate enemy of mm-hmm. sin, Satan, and death will be destroyed. It's powerful. Yeah. And, that's very freeing too, by the way. It is. So you can fight your sin tooth and nail, and sometimes you're going to be like, man, thank you, Lord, I'm experiencing a level of freedom here. But it's not always going to be like that. And so you can still, and this is not a cop-out, it's just grace. Mm. (laughs) It's grace to say, even though I'm not perfectly fighting all of my sin all the time, Jesus is going to liberate me in the end. That was Paul's hope. That's our hope. And also it gives us freedom to be gracious with each other. Oh, this person's not living up to their identity in Christ. He'll he'll get them there. You know what I mean? So you can be gracious, you can be patient, you can be it's like this steady resolve. It's like it's like the, you know, in a sports thing, it's like the defenders are just not going away. It's like you might get him for a second, but you're not gonna get by him again. So like Jesus mm. is not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. 
You fall down. The proverb says a righteous man falls seven times and rises up again. It's like, all right, dust myself off again. Mm. Jesus has still conquered sin and death. His forgiveness is greater than all of my sin. So I'm just going to go right back at it. Can I get right? You know, people say, get back up on the horse. It's like, well, yeah, because of the resurrection, you can keep getting back up on the horse. Have you failed 15 times? Have you failed 20 times? It's like, yeah, okay. You know, maybe there's a word here for spouses. Like, man, you've been with your spouse. They've failed this thing for 100 times. It's like, yeah, that might be their besetting sin for their whole life. And you're married to them. It's like, you're going to have to deal with it. Oh, man. Well, don't forget, mm-hmm. Jesus is going to forgive them every single time. And so may he give you grace, a resurrected life, to say, okay, well, if the resurrected Jesus is going to do that, then I'm going to do that. And then it's not going to be easy. It's not going to, you, you got to lean into Jesus there. Like that's not, that's just, you don't mm. just fall into that. You got to lean into that. You got to lean into that story and that person and that presence of Jesus, but then he'll get you through. And praise the Lord. So, yeah. Hopefully the celebration of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection this year has been a comfort and an encouragement to you. Hopefully your minds have been renewed. Hopefully you're encouraged to live into the resurrected life that Jesus called you to. This coming Sunday, we start a new series on... Galatians. Galatians. Which is great. And the theme in Galatians that is also good news and very encouraging is freedom. Freedom. In Christ. So, man, you know, we live in America... And so we love freedom, but finding out true freedom in Christ, what that is, is a massive portion of what Galatians is about, and I think it is a wonderful word of encouragement for our church at this time. We can't wait to gather. Yep. See you Sunday. Jesus is alive. Go live into it. 